1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is
2: back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Yes, good morning, Morena, everybody. Coming up on Mornings with Ian Smith with Ricardo Ball in for Smithy, because, of course, he is in Cairns for the cricket. Uh, Shortly, we're going to catch up with uh, Chiefs forward coach Nick White, talk about this all-black squad, named for the Australian League, the Rugby Championship, and our depth, particularly in the front row uh, at hooker, and uh, the changes we've seen at prop uh, since the start of the Irish series. At 930 Uh, Dave Turner, motorsport commentator, is going to come on. He's going to talk IndyCar. McLaughlin winning yesterday. He's got Dixon coming third. And, man, the leaderboard in IndyCar with one race to go is looking packed. Uh, Dave's going to talk us through all of that uh, after... 10 o'clock, we head to Cairns, catch up with uh, Michael Bracewell, the Black Caps all spinning all-rounder. And uh, we'll also have a panel with David Long and Nicky Styrus today. After 11, we preview the Champions League, which kicks off tomorrow morning with English football writer Matt Reed. We've also got a $100 TAV bonus bet to be won in Stumped as well. So plenty to come on the show. Yesterday, Nick Kyrgios, the 23rd seed, beat the number one seed, Daniil Medvedev, to progress to the quarterfinals of the US Tennis Open. I think progress is a great word to describe Kyrgios's career over the last couple of years. Yes, he's still the bad boy of tennis, in inverted commas, but he seems way more committed to his game now than ever before. Maybe it's maturing. Or maybe it's a realisation that the cash cow that is the ATP Tour won't be there for him forever. Either way, it's a positive for the game as a whole. He's a flair player, he's entertaining to watch and he's turned that success in having made the final of Wimbledon and having won Washington Hardcourt Tournament this season. And so while still being unapologetic about speaking his mind he's now more considered. I believe he's found a more balanced way to get his points across as well. That's not to say he shouldn't speak his mind. People are quick to criticise Kyrgios. But I'd wager those same people will remember John McEnroe and his tantrums fondly and even eulogise over him for it. And look at his post-playing career in the tennis media. We need more characters in sport at a time when athletes are becoming more and more sanitised and interview trained. I mean, who would you rather listen to talk anything? Nick Kyrgios or Pete Sampras? We need to embrace and celebrate the personalities in the game, not marginalize them. You can't be serious, man. You
5: cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shot flew
0: up! It was clearly it! How can you possibly call that out? How many are you can miss? That piece walking over, everyone knows it's
6: in, in this whole stadium, and you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? There
4: you go, man who's uh. It's not not prone to throwing those kind of tantrums, but uh, has uh, lots and lots of experience in the dark dark arts of New Zealand rugby. Is Nick White, the Chiefs' forward coach? G'day, mate. How are you?
7: Good, good, good. I don't know if I'm going to live up to Big Bear John today, <laughs> uh, Ricardo.
4: <laughs> mate, what well, we can but try, we can but try. What, a, what about can you live up to Nick Curios? Do you reckon?
7: <laughs> he's another level again, isn't he? Yeah. I might have to go, get out of my little uh, comfort zone on the farm and upskill myself to get to that level.
4: Yeah, well, mate, how, how do you how do you go in individual sports? I mean, if you have a game of tennis or a game of squash or a game of golf, I mean, uh, how, how much of a racket thrower or a golf club thrower are you?
7: Yeah, the odd golf, golf club's gone west the odd time, but um, it, it makes it worse, though, doesn't it? When you get tally with yourself, it doesn't help you, that's for sure.
4: No, mate, no. Oh, you've got the mental skills to cope, though, no doubt. Had all the training?
7: <laughs> oh no! Nah. Yeah, next job, just move on. That's all I get. It <laughs> the
4: simplest way to keep it simple. So keep it simple, I right, mate? Keep it simple. Hey, uh, let's let's talk rugby then, uh, and keep it simple for you. When well, I don't want to don't want to stretch things too far. Um, <laughs> y- yesterday, uh, we saw the uh, AB's name a thirty three man squad for the Australian <laughs> League of the Rugby Championship. Um, not too much change in the hooking position. We'll get to that. But uh the props George Bauer, Ethan de Groot, Nipo Laulala, Tyrell Lomax, Fletcher Newell, and Offa Tuanga Farsi. Um some names in there that weren't there at the start of the island series. You know, talking Ethan de Groot, of course, uh George Bauer, Fletcher Newell, they've come in. Uh, the likes of Angus Tarvau, Aiden Ross, Carl Tunu have found themselves sidelined. Uh does this does this speak um well, then, of our depth at prop that we can make that many changes in one season and in, in such a short period of time.
8: Yeah,
7: I think it does. I think this we've got a uh, sort of a good group of sort of about ten boy, uh, players there that can all um, all do a job. I think the four that have been going around the last couple of weeks have done you know done bloody well, and um, you know Nepo and uh, Offer have had niggles or. Um, you know, gone back to their provincial unions to um, get some game time, which has been good and I suppose I'm being a little bit biased, a little bit um, disappointing to see Gus and uh, Aidan go go out of it, but they both of them haven't had a horrible a lot of game time either, so it might be a bit of a chance for them to go and get some game time and show what they can do and then put themselves back in the frame for the end-of-year tour.
4: I, I, don't, I know that you, as Chiefs forward coach, you probably would have talked to those boys. Uh, you know what sort of message have they been given from the All Blacks about what they want to see from them, and, and how far away from them getting back in the mix do you think they are?
7: Oh, I don't, I don't think they've. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're too far away. They've just. I'll probably get. They just need to go and play. I mean, I Gus. I think Gus did damn well in the Iris series. He came on and, um, you know, he came off the bench, and then he ended up obviously. Knocking himself out and had that suspension, and then obviously the South African game didn't quite go to plan. But, um, and then Rossi's only had the, the stint off the bench when it was a bit of a shambles in Dunedin that day with they had had all sorts of guys getting subbed in and out. So, yeah, like I say, mate, he hasn't he, he got a calf injury and um hasn't had a lot of game time. And as a, as a front row forward, you need to um you need to play. That's the only way you're going to get better. So, like I say, it's probably good for them to go back and get some game time for uh, their provincial unions and and rip under it and hopefully put themselves back in selection frame for the end of the year.
4: How much uh, in in the front row as a three, how much is it about combinations and and trying to have the same three blokes play together?
7: Oh, it it definitely helps. It definitely helps. I, I, I think... Um, you know, you sort of. I think at training, isn't that you try and spend time with different guys and get used to, because everyone scrums a little bit differently or does things a little bit differently. And the quicker, you, the quicker they can all sort of learn how each other works. That's that's the um, that's the key. But that definitely does help, um, as you've probably seen in the last couple of weeks. Those guys uh, spending time together. You know, you got your, they're playing together, but they also get plenty of time at training to spend together. So it, it does make a massive difference. That's for sure.
4: Well, on the flip side, then you know, looking, at, let's talk some positives. Um, I mentioned those names: uh, George Bauer, Ethan DeGroot, Fletcher Newell. What have they brought to the party, and, and what do you what do you like about what they have in their game?
7: Oh, I think they've just, you know, like Ethan's probably, you know, probably was a bit gutted at the start, and he got sent on his way to go and fix a few things up. So, you know, the old story. Sometimes when you when you're out of it you want to be part of it and you come back with a bit more energy. Fletcher's new. He's a he's a damn good player, so he's full steam ahead and um and, and Lowy sort of um Torrell, he's sort of you know had a couple of good games for the Maoris against the mm. um Irish and he's got his chance and I think probably for him the biggest thing, especially as a tight end, is actually having a bit of confidence and backing himself and also having the the guys around him to know that he can um you know, you know he can do a job. So I think, I think, and Bow has been good too. He's been good the whole year for the Crusaders. Man, he's a perfect person to come off the bench. He's good with ball in the hand, and you know, plenty of energy around the around the park. So um, you know, they've all, you know, they're all. It's a good, good little group of uh, good combinations at the moment. The how they're um, they're working as a four. So um, yeah, hopefully they can continue on. They'll come up against some uh, different sort of scrum scrum against the on Aussies in the in the next couple of weeks, so it'll be a good test, so they're just gonna keep keep backing themselves and um, you know, there's no reason why they won't get even better than what they
4: are now. yeah, no Tani Alatupo by the looks of it for the first one, um, which will be a bonus uh for the All Blacks. Uh that uh, Fletcher Newell, I've got to say, uh th- there is there's there's a certain Franks vibe about him, isn't he? I mean, how strong is that kid?
7: Yeah, yeah, by all accounts he's, he can he doesn't mind sitting under a bar, so that's it's um, a good positive, but no, he's a good scrummager, and um, I think he, what he's probably done too in the last sort of year or so is he's, you know, edged quite a bit around the field too. You know, he's you know a good defender, carries well, and um, yeah, he can come on and he can come on and do a job. But um, the, obviously, the key one's the scrum, and he, he's been doing bloody well at that.
4: There's a, a few people I've heard uh, talking over the last sort of couple of months uh, about our front row stocks guys that were there guys that are there now um and one of the things that i've heard a lot um not, probably not all is qualified to speak about it as you nick generally generally it tends to be a lot of halfbacks talking about it to be fair but uh, uh <laughs> it's about how you know new zealand rugby and our style of rugby that you know we've seen come through super rugby and things we want to see things from our props in terms of uh, broken field play, being able to run with the ball, making dents in the opposition, maybe having an offloading game, and maybe that the emphasis has been too much on that and not not enough on the basics like the scrummaging. What do you what do you make of that criticism?
7: Oh yeah, possibly. I, I think, you know, like at the end of the day, if they can't scrum and do their job at the set piece, they're a waste of time. So, you know, you've got to get that right and, and probably when you're getting to the next level, yes, you do have to catch and pass on that but Probably the most important, important uh, job for them, in my opinion, is them actually being able to tackle. So do their role in the defensive system and actually clean rucks. You know, so if they're good at those two things, plus their set piece, there's enough ball carriers and and um, other positions in the team to um, you know to do that role. But point taken, they do. If they get in a position to carry, they have to do it and they have to be able to catch and pass. But those other two roles of um, defensively being Really good in cleaning rucks, are really important because you can see the difference on Saturday night when, when the ruck, the breakdowns, um, you know, um, aggressive and gets over the over the game line, it makes a her of a difference for the rest of the uh, the team to play on top of the another team. So that that's where where I'd I said I think you know yes, there's there's always been talk about it, that. Sometimes uh, our boys are probably don't have that focus of a set piece as much as other countries, but. I'm, it's pretty demoralising when you get dusted up at scrum time or something like that. So there's always been, from the props, there's always a willingness and a and a and a hunger to make sure that never happens and and get plenty of time at training to get better at it.
4: That feels like something that's been a big uh, improvement in Tyrell Lomax's game this season. Um, the set piece, the scrummaging. Uh, I know there were a few people, and maybe this is a bit of a lazy uh, a lazy comparison, but a few people, because of who his dad is and, and you know the family roots in Rugby League, have suggested that he'd be better suited to that. But I, I think he's certainly shown that up, uh, particularly in South Africa.
7: Yeah, I think he has, mate. I think a lot of it for him is probably... Um, is actually having the confidence to back himself. You know, he's he's a big brute, um, and sometimes you know, like you need to you need confidence for guys to uh, behind you to make sure the loosies and the locks are all on. So because sometimes if you uh, if you if you don't have that confidence, you end up whacking into the scrum and just sitting there and surviving. Whereas in a position like that, you need to whack in and attack, and um, and you've got to have confidence in the guys behind you that you can actually move your feet and not because. These days, if you get uh, people start the old the old feet start moving around, that's where you get the deep you get deep and this one person shifts their feet, and it's um, it can be curtains at scrum time. So I think a lot, I reckon it's a lot of a, him his confidence backing himself and and attacking and uh, having a bit of an attacking mindset in the scrum, and I think it's helped him a lot. And like I say, in, in the All Blacks, you um, you know you've got plenty of. Um, you have got plenty of support around you in, the, in that um, back five of theirs, then they'll, they'll, and he'll know that he's going to have the he's going to have the power and the support behind it to, to go for gold.
4: And I mean, a lot of the, the scrum power. I think, to you know, uh, a, a lot of a lot of the time, people haven't been there, done that. They just look at the front row. They don't look at the whole engine room because you know the front row's only as good as the second row behind it. Right when it comes to scrum time.
7: Yeah, oh, the back five are the key. If you got a good back five, your scrum will work. You know the. Yeah, obviously the uh, the boys up front have got to get a few things right, but if you're if you're back five, um, they love scrumming and they can uh, they can get into a good pushing position and and are happy to sit there and scrum as long as they need. You'll be you'll be fine. That's I think that's half the battle whether it's a club team, your super team or whatever, it's um, your back five are the key, and, and especially your loosey's and eight. They make a big difference to the, the outcome of your scrum.
4: Now, uh, let, let's just move away from props, mate. Let's talk hookers, um, because I think, uh, you know, bloke you know well, Sonny Tokiaha has really put his hand up. He is our number one hooker by some 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 distance, I think, at the moment, isn't he?
7: Yeah, he, he's, he's done well, Sonny. He's... Um, you know, he's he's I think he's, the biggest thing for him probably too is um a, a confidence thing, but his his line out throwing's been good. He's sort of uh he knows what his role is at scrum time now. He's a big brute, so he can't he's not at that next level you can't just get away with strength. You've got to have technique and a bit of a plan of what's going on. But um, you know, the set piece goes well, the line out goes well, then all of a sudden the stuff around the field starts to uh go really well and his carrying and his uh, his defence and stuff like that's been outstanding. He's probably gonna he's probably gonna have to be uh, smart going forward because everyone will be sitting there waiting. From you know, like he won't, no one. He's not going to be able to be a surprise for opposition teams, especially from you know the northern hemisphere. So, um, he's, uh, and I no doubt they'll have plans for that. But at the moment, he's he gives great go forward and you know plenty of energy and he's fit too. You can play as long as he needs, but probably. I think probably the other thing that's helped him too, mate, is having Colsey uh, and um, Cody Taylor with him, you know, like, um, it's probably at trainings and stuff for him to spend time with the likes of those guys would be massive for him because he's a bit of a sponge, so, um, you know, that spending time with Cody and Colsey would be massive
4: for him. Well, on that, actually, uh, that's my next point is the depth there at at Hooker because, I mean, obviously Cody had a great super rugby season but his form seems to have gone off a cliff a little bit um, in in the international season and Dane Coles, as good a player as he is, we know he's had a lot of injury problems with his calves and he's, I worked it out, he's only 37 at the next World Cup. Um, How much, as as an All Black fan, how much of a worry is that for you um, looking at the depth at Hooker at the moment?
7: uh oh, I don't think it's too bad like there's a few a few young ones around the the traps you know you've got um, the likes of Tyron Thompson Slater you've got the young boy from Canterbury Bell um there's probably a couple of other boys that I've missed so there's definitely other guys around um they just probably haven't had the exposure or the experience of super rugby yet but I think in the next couple of years if they if that group gets through to the world cup we will be all right but um yeah, I think I think I think we'll be all right. Cole's you're all right. He's, I suppose it's probably it's probably not the game time. that's the problem. It's probably making sure he's uh, what he's doing at training. He's not hammering himself at training and stuff like that. And I think for Cody and that, like you say, he's played heaps of footy. He's probably you know he might be a little bit bloody buggered. I don't. He might need a bit of a ref. He'll come right though. He's too good a player not to not to um, you know. It's, it's not as if it's, it's he's way out of form. He's just probably just been a bit quiet for what we're normally used to seeing him, him do. So he's, he's, a, he's a top player, so he'll be
4: right. He'll be right. All right. I mean, we have lost a couple, haven't we? And I, I think these are the guys that maybe, you know, from a forward planning point of view at New Zealand Rugby, you're looking at names like Nathan Harris, who's had to retire, Liam Coltman, who's gone offshore and gone. Well, you know, here's the, here's the backup plan, um, and we've lost those guys. And maybe Asafa Almoa and, and Kurt Eklund aren't quite where we need them to be just yet
7: two names that I didn't even mention so the yeah so we've got this there's plenty there um the like security and a security and a, a software are definitely your options you know so um both both those boys can play and it's um yeah i i think if we we did no, none of those none of those names would let us down if they had to come in that's for sure it's um about sometimes again getting the opportunity and, and you've got good people around you and that team so there's no reason what there's no reason not to perform if you get a chance so um probably both those two you mentioned, Kurt and um, a sufferer. You know they're not. You know they're sort of twenty five. Cutie might be a bit older than that too. So they're not. They're not young kids. Have been around the block a bit. So, you know, I don't think it'd be a a, a massive daunting thing if they ever did get called in. You know, they, they've sort of played a lot of footy now. So, and know what probably would be expected.
4: Now the other thing that we uh, we we would just need to cover before I let you go, Nick, is uh, of course a guy who has been ever present uh, this season in the All Black jersey is Artie Savia. Uh, he's on dad duty, um, so he's going to miss at least the first test against the Aussies over in Melbourne. Uh, so that'll mean we have a different number eight. Um, also, Shannon Brazel is, is is out injured, so uh, our loose forward makeup: uh, Akira Ioane's in there with Luke Jacobson back from the Chiefs, Dalton Papalii and Hoskins to 2-2. Um, it feels like Hoskins should get the nod at 8 for that first test, but I know with your Chiefs hat on, you might think Luke might get a run there?
7: Oh, I think either of those two would be all right. I, I, it depends probably what they do at 6 to a point or to me. I don't think they'll leave both Barrett and those on the bench, so obviously Sam will be there, and then possibly Barrett might go to 6, which would leave obviously the 8 spot open, and I, um, it just depends how they want to play, I suppose. Hoskins sort of he he's got multi-skilled. He's and he's been oh obviously he's been in the squad the whole time. So whether he gets a first crack at it with um, someone like Luke off the bench, but yeah, it'll probably come down to uh, Luke or Hoskins. And you know, the Akira's usually played six. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I I would imagine seven and six are are pretty much. Uh, Barrett and Kane I would imagine because the Aussies got a big line out so um, they'd probably want to cover themselves and make sure they had plenty of line out options so which would just leave the uh, number 8 spot uh, open for um, open and up for grabs but uh, could be wrong too
4: Yeah well we'll have to see mate we'll have to see Uh, just quickly how impressed have you been with the Argies this season I mean we're at a situation in the Rugby Championship where everyone's won two lost to I don't think anybody saw that coming in
7: no, no, no. They've been they've been uh, pretty good actually. They're, obviously, their defence has been really good, um, and probably the probably one of the things that probably hasn't been as good as their scrum and and sometimes some of their set piece. But um, but no, they're good mate. They've um, obviously you know they've been in it a while now and know 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 what's expected of them, and so um, and they're playing probably a few more tests now, so they spend more time together and. Um, no, they they've always been good. They sort of um, got a bit of confidence too, and again, probably backing themselves. And now know they can compete with the likes of uh, us and Aussie and, and the Africans. So um, yeah, they'll always be floating around now. Now now that they know they
4: can win. Yeah, you yeah, they do well. That's the thing, mate. You, you you give them a shout of taking a test off the box this year as well.
7: Well, there's no reason why they can't, especially back in at, at home. That's mm. for sure. So. Um, you know, they've got, um, you know, Chico probably suits suits the way they, their mentality and that. He's sort of probably a bit of a, I don't know him, but he's obviously, uh, he can ramp things up a bit, so it'd suit them to a bit. And obviously Kidwell's got their defence going well, so, um, you know, they'll they'll be hard at home, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, mate, it's going to be an interesting, that test in Buenos Aires. I think if, they, if they're going to get a winner, it'll be that one uh, against the Saffir. So we'll have, yeah. to, have to wait and see how that goes. Hey, Nick, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat, mate. Always always good to talk code with you.
7: No, nah, no, no problem at all, mate. Good to talk, Ricardo.
4: Cheers, mate. Go well. Uh, Nick White there, the uh, Chiefs forwards coach, uh, talking rugby with us. After 9.30, we're going to catch up with David Turner and talk some IndyCar.
3: He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yeah,
4: it's coming up 9.30. I just updating you from the US Open, Rafa Nadal is down two sets to one against Francis T.F.O. It is on serve in the fourth set. Uh, it is 2-1 to Nadal at the moment. TFO's just started serving the fourth game of that set. We'll keep you up to date with that. After 9.30, we are going to catch up with Dave Turner to talk some IndyCar after the big day yesterday for the Kiwis coming first and third, the two Scots. He caught up with both of them. We'll get uh, the latest from him on that after the latest from Aroha on News & Sport. <laughs> started with a pole position and a victory to this young New Zealander. And then he went on and won at Mid-Ohio as well. Scott McLaughlin got the pole in dominant fashion yesterday. Scott McLaughlin wins the Grand Prix of Portland for his third career win. Let's go. Well done team. He likes to call their team the Thirsty Threes, and the Thirsty Threes will celebrate tonight. 104 of the 110 laps led. That was McLaughlin's day. There you go. That was yesterday from uh, Oregon and. IndyCar, Scotty McLaughlin taking that race out, Scott Dixon coming in third, uh, Will Power came in second, he leads the championship on 523 points with Newgarden and Dixon tied on 503, uh, back from them is Marcus Ericsson in fourth on 484, Scotty McLaughlin on 482 as well in fifth, uh, Dave Turner joins us now to talk uh, the end of the IndyCar season, g'day Dave, how are you?
2: I'm good, Ricardo. How are you?
4: Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. It was a, a great race, great race for the Kiwis. I guess uh, from a slightly selfish point of view, just a pity that Will Power finished second.
2: Well, I think it's, it's stats heaven, really. And the, the big thing that I take out of it is in IndyCar history, it was the first ever Australasian podium, clean sweep. OK, we've got an Aussie in there as well, but it was an Australasian Podium, and that's never happened before in
4: IndyCar. And uh, I mean, Scott has—he's uh, missed a consistency. Scott Dixon, that is, has missed a consistency. <laughs> consistency isn't he? he hasn't won many races this season, but he's always in that sort of top six to eight. He always seems to pick up points.
2: Yeah, and, you know, he's notorious now for this strong second half of the season, which, you know, sometimes worries me because you kind of get to the position where you think, oh, yeah, he'll come good in the second half of the season. And, you know, one day it may not. But, you know, again, he's put himself in championship contention. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. Personally, I think that willpower will go in as a firm favourite. But um, as he said, all season stranger things can happen in this championship, and they certainly have. You know, it's been a, it's been a great year where we've had sixteen races so far with eight different winners, nine different pole sitters, um, and now we're down to effectively five people that can still claim the championship with one round to go. Well,
4: we uh, we have this uh, this last race of the season coming up this weekend uh, at Monterey. Uh, Colton Herder likes that track. He's had two wins there in the last three seasons. He's out of the running for the championship as such, but he could throw a spanner in the works for the others.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like Anyone who, anyone who takes those big points, and even the, the bonus point for you know, pole position or laps led, is going to impact how the championship plays itself out. And in many ways, that may still favour willpower, because it's taking points away from the others like Dixon and Newgarden particularly that need as many points as they possibly can to overhaul Will. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of of variables in there, but that's the nature of IndyCar racing, and it has always been that way. If you compare that to where we kind of sit with Formula One at the moment, we've still got seven-odd races to go this year. You know, it's pretty much Max's championship, and we've seen that kind of in the past with Lewis Hamilton as well, but with IndyCar, I've followed it now for over 20 years, and we're in the situation where year after year after year the championship goes to the wire. And I, I just think as a fan of the sport, let alone you know someone that works around the sport, this is, this says so much for the fact that they've got all the ingredients right with, with the IndyCar championship. The way they do their point scoring uh, enables... You
4: know, a championship to go to the wire like this, and it's fantastic. Well, before we get into into the into needing a PhD in mathematics to work out what's going to happen uh, next Uh, week, um, let's talk. (laughs) Let's talk about what (laughs) happened uh, this weekend. Go on, and Scott McLaughlin, um, he brings something different, doesn't he? Um, What have you made of his transition? Second season in, he hasn't had any second season syndrome. If anything, he's just gotten better and better.
2: Well, I've talked to him a lot this year, uh, and saw you know saw him around the month of May when we were up in the States, and and talked to him at every one of the you know the IndyCar press conferences and things that he's been at, and he's he's very chilled, he, he's very happy where he is uh, and where he's put himself career-wise. I think probably he's first to admit that last year maybe he had some doubts that he'd maybe taken on a bit too much and had to deliver on it. But, um, you know, this year he certainly has. You know, he's had race wins and pole positions, probably more than maybe some people would have thought that he, he may have got, not in his eyes, because he's hungry for more. Um, but he, he's learned a lot. You know, I talked to him particularly after Nashville and the precision around those street courses where he's done quite well, just as he did at the season opener in, in St. Pete. And the difference between driving the supercar and the car. and as he said to me, you know, in the supercar he sat on the, right-hand side of the car and he could basically use the wing mirror to scuff against the concrete wall and he knew that that was you know the edge of the car but in IndyCar, car he's seen in the center of the car and if he puts a wheel by the wall then he's in you know he's in deep snook so um quite a different adaptation to his driving style as a result of that and he's adapted to the ovals as well you know look at that performance at texas in the second round of the championship really that should have been another win
4: yeah, that is interesting you mentioned that because it feels like, you know, he was coming from behind in terms of uh, adapting to the ovals, uh, maybe wasn't quite on, you a know, level playing field for him there, but that has gotten better and better this year. But the thing that stood out for me, uh, you know, watching particularly Nashville is just how much more comfortable and how much more of an advantage uh, he seemed to have on a road circuit versus a lot of the other drivers. I mean, we saw a lot of guys not being able to cope with road circuits, how many guys went into the wall and... Uh, uh, you know on that street circuit um, compared to what we see on an oval whereas him it was just like second nature
2: yeah well i I said to him that it reminded me a lot of seeing him years ago at adelaide in the back side of the adelaide um, street circuit and he he just he said to me he said no it's just he said we we just felt that we had the car exactly how we wanted it and uh and we were in a good place you know and i i think that that's a Pensky thing too, and it's something that Roger does with the the team. He has this coin that he gives, you know, certain members of the team, and it's like a heads and tails type thing. But it basically says hard work equals rewards, and I think that that's that's where it's gone. And and, and Penske play plays a team. You know, there was no team orders yesterday. There's been a little bit of talk about that, and will kind of almost thought that there there would be. I think if we get in the situation this weekend at Laguna. Um, and say McLaughlin was leading but had no chance of winning the championship, sure, team orders would come into play. But Penske's let his drivers play this championship out, just as Ganassi has. And I, I credit to both those teams because that's what's helped provide us a championship. You know, they could have easily covered for a nominated driver early on in the, in the series and it could have become a bit of a yawn. But these are teams uh, scrapping it out with the drivers all, you know, doing their own thing. And that's, that's what racing's supposed to be all about. All right, well, let's
4: look ahead to Monterey this weekend. Uh, The circuit, who do you think it suits the most?
2: Um, Well, the Ganassi team tested there last week. So the teams had some options on tests, on private tests, which they nominate way back in February. And Penske took the option of testing at Portland, uh, which they did before the race. And Ganassi drove all the way down to Laguna and tested there. So if you look at what came out of that test, Dixon actually wasn't that flash, um, but Palau was very quick around there. So again, he could be a person who takes points, uh, which maybe not so advantageous to Scott, but it could screw, you know, willpower around a little bit or, or impact the championship. So I, yeah, I don't know the, the situation with Palau and Ganassi and the the legal issues that are going on there and relating to McLaren and everything. I think has actually done Alex Palau in a little bit. I don't know if it favours Ericsson, but Ericsson's going to need to really pull something out. And as you said earlier on, you know, the man at the moment, at the moment, could be someone like Colton Herta. He he's strong around there. He's a California native, so he'll have a bit of a fan base there, and that'll cheer him on. And of course, his name um, could be majorly in the headlines this weekend uh, because Red Bull are due to announce whether or not he'll be joining the off Tory squad or Red Bull long-term in Formula One. So you know, Herta's. Uh, got all sorts of things in front of him this weekend, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, if Colton Herter goes there, that torpedoes Liam Lawson, doesn't it, from getting the GP1 drive next season?
2: Well, I think what it does, there's a, there's, there's a lot of scenarios going on, but the interesting part about it all is that Christian Horner has come out saying that they are very keen on Herter for a long-term role with Red Bull. Uh, but the Alpha is thing is the place for him. So yeah, it would impact Liam, although I don't think either driver at Red Bull is safe right now. Gasly uh, is keen to go to Alpine, and he would be released because Al-Fattori uh, have said that they would do that. Um, and whether Sonoda stayed on as well as, is yet to be determined. But it's a it's a ugly game, and the the bottom line in fact with Herder going there is he still doesn't actually have enough super licence points, uh, and that needs to go before the FIA for approval. So there's lots of ifs, buts, and maybes. But he's you know he's well and truly on the radar. But I would pick him for a win potentially. Uh, at Laguna this weekend, and I'd also pick Alex Palau. I don't see any of the championship contenders necessarily taking out the win. Mm-hmm. Well,
4: if that doesn't happen, is it, um, as, as it basically as it looks at the moment then, is it uh, pretty much Will Powers to lose?
2: Yeah, well, if you look at it, power basically, he can win the series by finishing third or better. So there's without taking into account the bonuses for laps lead and qualifying, Marcus Erickson, who you know has been a long-time championship leader, uh, and you know really benefited from the double points at Indianapolis with the win there. He can't win the series if Power finishes 14th or higher. Wow! So really, Eriksson's a, a long odds. McLaughlin is in the same situation. He can't win the championship if Power finishes 16th or higher. Okay, so we so, need a DNF then,
4: for Will Power, is what you're saying?
2: Yeah, pretty much. But then if you look at if you look at Will Power this year sixty nine percent of the races this year. This is where he's played the consistency game. He's finished in the top four
4: yeah he's going to be hard so, he's going to be hard to stop, isn't he
2: yeah, and it's a very different willpower because again when you talk to him he's he's much more relaxed ricardo he's he does the the flippantness is still there, but the aggravation in the and the kind of i don't know moody aspects that sometimes that you get with will isn't there He's been very chilled all year and he's played a very smart long game. So at the end of the day, you kind of go, well, he's the guy that's really earned this one, you know. Not that any of the others haven't, and certainly our two boys haven't. McLaughlin very long odds, but he did everything possible. He took out the absolute maximum number of points at Portland, um, but you know the scenario for him is a lot harder. Dixon, on the other hand, he clawed his way back after Nashville with that, you know, pretty amazing win down there, and that's got him back in the game. And the thing that's hurt him and it will haunt him for a long time, was Indianapolis and the, mm. the pit lane speed violation. Because without that, then uh, he would have been, you know, serious contender right now, that's for sure, if not leading.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, what, is, what needs to happen for Scott Dixon for him to win uh, the Indy Championship?
2: Uh, I think you need to see willpower. The mask gets harder to work out, I have to say. So I haven't done the full PhD, but um, he would need to probably finish in the top three and he'd need willpower to finish, you know, probably in 12th or further back. So it's it's quite a bit harder. But, you know, Laguna can provide that. It's an interesting circuit. You've got, you know, a big uphill climb, then you've got the famous corkscrew turn through there. Um, the grip level is way different to what it was at Portland. A lot less grip, a lot less... Uh, there's There's a more sandy nature around the edges of the track because it's near you know, the seaside and stuff, so you get a lot of grit and stuff on the track. So there's a lot less grip, so it's a very, very different circuit to what we saw this weekend just past.
4: What's the, uh, I mean, I, I don't expect you to have the exact uh, numbers in front of you, but, you know, sort of your, uh, your take on it, your impression of it, um, in terms of the number of DNFs you get somewhere like that where it's easier to spin the car, is it excessively more than it is at other places?
2: No, I don't think so, because even at the corkscrew, there's still an, an element of runoff area there, so it's not so bad. It's not like being at a, a street course you know, with concrete walls and stuff around it. So I, th- I think the yellow flag period there previously has been quite minimal. Um, the retirement factor can still be quite high, but the, um, you know, the, the actual yellow flag period is probably not too bad, so it's quite favourable for seeing that play itself out. Um, and I think the Chevy Honda mix is probably pretty even as well. So, um, it's yeah, it's it's another race in the championship and they all go in as equals, really. And we've seen that all year. And, uh, and that's the exciting thing about it. You know, this championship had seven contenders uh, going into this weekend just being. We've now got five contenders and one of them is going to come out with... Um, did a great big trophy and a very nice check. Yeah,
4: indeed. All right, Dave. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on and doing the maths for me because it's never been a strong point, (laughs) to be fair. I look forward to Monday.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll talk next week and hopefully we'll be talking about, I think, uh, Scott with a D uh, winning a championship um, and making more IndyCar history with seven titles to his name, which would just be absolutely phenomenal. But I think just before we go, without a doubt, anyone who has uh, ever thought about these guys uh, just driving around in circles and stuff on ovals McLaughlin has adapted to this like no tomorrow, it's a very hard discipline and both of them are doing great and the Kiwis in the feeder series just amazing, we've got a great future in the US that's for sure.
4: Good stuff uh, Dave Turner there with us talking IndyCar it is 12 away from 10 on Mornings with Ian Smith
2: you got to know when to hold Know when
6: Smithy's malty.
8: Know when to walk away and know when to run.
6: Bet live on your favorite sports. Download the TAB app today.
4: Yeah, here it is. Uh the yesterday's came in actually. It was uh paying ten thirty six, I think. Uh that came in, so I hope you got on. Ten sixty three. Ten sixty three. I I i am dyslexic with my numbers, but uh, uh that came in. So jump on this one. This is today's multi with the TAB. Uh, New Zealand are uh, the number one team in the world in ODIs. They play the number five team in the world. Uh, and we're paying two fifty five, dollars so got to throw that in there. And then there's two Champions League games tomorrow I think you have to get on. AC Milan just won the Milan derby, leading Serie A. They take on RB Salzburg. And you got to take on RB Leipzig to beat Shakhtar Donetsk, get $1.20. Returns twenty. Returns five eighty four. Get amongst.
3: Now, te roa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: And uh, boiling over, big upset on the cards at the U.S. Open. Francis T.F.O. is serving at forty fifteen to go five three up in the fourth, uh, and that'll give him uh, five three. Yeah, well, five three uh, with I'll well, give him a couple of uh, match games, Um, so Nadal could be on his way out, we'll keep you updated with that, coming up in the next hour we are going to talk cricket, catch up with Black Caps All-Rounder, Michael Bracewell out of Kens ahead of the Chapel Hadley getting underway at 4 o'clock this afternoon, we'll also have a panel with David Long and Nicky Styrus and we'll catch up with Louis Herman Watt for a Love Racing update and the man they call B-Pops, Brendan Popperwell from the TAB as well, all that after the latest in news and sport with Aroha Hathaway
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. This is
4: SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. No Smithy, of course, because he is in Cairns for the Chapel Hadley series. And actually joining us out of Cairns, probably trying to avoid Smithy, particularly at the bar, is uh, Michael Bracewell from the Black Caps. G'day, Michael. How are you?
9: Yeah, good morning. How are
4: you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, First of all, we'll get to the Chapel Hadley stuff in a minute, but it's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind six months for you, hasn't it? You know, the England tour, then through uh, the rest of the UK and over to into Ireland into, into Holland and then the Windies. Uh, how, how's it all feeling now that you've well, got 10 ODIs under your belt?
9: Yeah, it's been, uh, you're right, it has been a whirlwind sort of six months and I've absolutely loved uh, being part of it all. And yeah, the, the roller coaster keeps going as we as we head into this Australian series, so really looking forward to it
4: yeah i mean what's been the biggest um i guess what's the the thing that you've learned you know in that six months and and where do you think you are now from where you were six months ago as a player
9: yeah, I think um obviously bowling and batting against uh, some of the best players in the world you you have to learn pretty quick um and I think even spending a lot of time bowling to our batters in the nets has certainly helped. From a bowling point of view, um, seeing yeah the likes of Martin Gupto and Kane Williamson down the other end, and and trying to formulate a plan on how you're going to bowl to those guys has has been super helpful in terms of setting me up to go out and play against uh, the opposition that we're coming up against. So yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the learning has actually been on the training field, which has been quite nice. So you can go out there with a little bit of confidence, knowing that. You've already bowled to some of the best players in the world, in in practice, be quite intimidating bowling to Guppy in the nets. So I would think, mate, you, do you have to wear a helmet just in case one comes back? <laughs> yeah, once when he keeps that head down and he's he's in that hitting form and he's he's pretty tough to bowl to. So you just you just trying to hit him and hit him in that thigh pad and get him off strike. I think when he's in that sort of mood. But yeah, all the all our batters seem to have quite a lot of power. So. <clears throat> If you can bowl well to our guys, I think you can you can do a pretty good job against anyone. Who do you think hits the ball hardest in this current Black Caps team? Oh, I think um, probably a bit of a surprise to some, but Glenn Phillips seems to hit the ball pretty hard. He um he <clears throat> yeah he's only a small fella, but he's got a lot of muscle on him, and yeah, he seems he seems to hit hit the ball harder than anyone, I reckon. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember the story uh,
4: when he was playing in the CPL during COVID. And um, he was bored, so he just started doing press ups, and was up to five hundred press ups a day in his room. Um, that'll that'll do that, mate. How many press ups a day is he doing at the moment? Do you reckon?
9: Oh, I wouldn't know, but yeah, he's, he's got a pretty strong chest on him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if he closes that door at night time and and gets down on the floor and gives himself a couple. But yeah, he's <laughs> he's always he's always in the gym, and he's a bit of a pocket rocket running around in the field, so. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's doing a couple of sneaky ones in that hotel room.
4: <laughs> quality, mate, quality. Yeah, what about the the different conditions you've come up against of course I'd imagine Ireland and Scotland reasonably similar to playing in England, but what was the Netherlands like and then and then getting to the windies which I would
9: imagine was quite different. Yeah, the the conditions in in Europe as you say were pretty similar. Um yeah, the only difference being in the Netherlands that we played on a few hybrid wickets. So yeah, that was a that was a good challenge, a little bit different to what we've played on. I think it was the first ever international twenty twenty game on a hybrid wicket. So yeah, that was that was a little bit different. It um sort of has a little bit of two paced nature to it because sometimes it hits the sort of synthetic strands of, of the hybrid and then other times it hits sort of the the clay or um dead dead sort of grass that's that's live. So yeah, it has has quite a sort of two paced nature to it. And then the West Indies um, was <clears throat> a little bit more slow and and offered a little bit more turn so again there was some different challenges there with the dew factor and things like that so yeah you you get to play in all these different conditions and just try and adapt so it's been It's been an awesome experience and something that you have to adapt to pretty quickly because obviously it's a high highly competitive environment so you, you want to make sure that you're um able to yeah, put on a, a good performance every every time you go out there and play. Yeah, just before we move on to on to Cairns, mate, that that
4: um, hybrid wickets you're talking about, that sounds. Uh, I mean, you said it's a first international. it Sounds like it'd be a bit of a challenge to play on. I mean, what would you prefer to do on one of those, bowl
9: or bat? Yeah, I think it's like it depends on them on the grass cover of the wicket because the the hybrid works. It's got I think it's got about. Um, one artificial strand to every five strands of normal grass. So if there's a lot of grass cover, it's pretty similar to a normal wicket. Um, but as as the game goes on and, it, and that uh, real grass burns off, then you start exposing a few more strands of the artificial grass and then that's when it can get up and down a little bit. So if, it, if it's got a good grass cover, it's yeah pretty similar to a normal sort of... Um, Grass wicket, but yeah, as as it starts to get a little bit bare, that's when that's when the in- inconsistency comes into play. So I imagine in a in a longer form game, you you probably want to bowl first, uh yeah, bat first, and then and then bowl last on it when it's sort of <clears throat> some of that fresh grass has died off a little bit. Mm. And how's and how about your batting? Because I, I mean, I was looking at the
4: numbers, and you know. I didn't see every moment of every game, but you obviously started with a hiss and a roar against the Irish, and maybe didn't get quite so many opportunities towards the end of the tour. How happy are you with your form with the Willow?
9: Yeah, I've, I've been reasonably happy um, with with my form. It's a, it's a little bit of a different role to what I've played domestically. Um, I usually bat in the in the top order in domestic cricket, so trying to adjust to that new role and and come out and try finish games has has been cool. And yeah. I've, I think that's another thing that you've just got to try, learn, and adapt, and and sort of, yeah, take every opportunity that you can. And I feel like I've I've been able to finish a couple of games, which is my sort of role in in, in that lower order position. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with where it's at, and um, yeah, just just trying to contribute where I can with the bat. Mm. And now you got to Cairns. It's not a place that we've seen a lot of international cricket played.
4: Uh, what have you made of the conditions for the uh, the couple of days you've been there?
9: Yeah, I don't think they've played an international game here in 18 years or something like that. So, yeah, it is, is a little bit different, and we've managed to get a good a good head out there today. And it, <clears throat> um, the wicket, the the training wickets that we've been on were a little bit um, underprepared because there's been quite a lot of rain around the last few days. So, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of um, trying to adapt early to the conditions because we're sort of not quite sure what we're going to expect on the on the center wicket um, without that without that consistency of international cricket being here in the last few years usually at the grounds that we play we've got a pretty good idea of what a pass score looks like before we turn up at the ground and things like that so it'll be particularly important to turn up today and Turn up and have a have a bit of a look at the conditions and and assess those nice and quickly.
4: The um, I would imagine. I mean, I think it's and I think tropical. I think humid. Um, and and that makes me think. You know, that Tim and Trent are going to whoop it round all over the place. It'll be swinging here, there, and everywhere. What what is it like? Is there much humidity around?
9: Yeah, is it, I was actually surprised with how little humidity there has been. Um, I don't know if that's just coming from the West Indies where it was absolutely stinking hot. That we feel a little bit of reprieve here, but. Um, yeah, I, I guess when the sun is out and it's bringing up a little bit of moisture from that surface, then um, there will be a p- bit of humidity around. But we've been treated to some pretty overcast days here, which has been quite nice, uh, just sort of getting used to the conditions. But I think the forecast is pretty good for the next few days. So, yeah, hopefully we can get that sun out and, and um, and the yeah, the, the wicket does dry out a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Day-nighters as well, aren't they? So that'll that'll be a different challenge again.
9: <laughs> yeah, I think um, from what I've heard, there is a little bit of dew that comes in later on in the evening. So that'll be something that we sort of have to deal with as a bowling unit if if we do bowl second. But yeah, it's nothing that we haven't faced before.
4: Yeah. All right, mate. Uh, what about the Aussies? Yeah. Um, you would have obviously seen the loss to Zimbabwe and how uh, th- that leggy um, gave them a lot of problems. Would he take five for 10 off three overs? It's like, yeah. that's, a, that's a dream. Um, <laughs> anything watching that that you picked up? Yeah, and and how many
9: of the boys have all of a sudden been bowling out the back of their hand in the nets and trying it? <laughs> no, I don't think we want to go chasing um, what someone else has done. Obviously, it was, a, it was a pretty impressive last game there from the Zimbabweans to... To get their first win on Australian soil and I think as as a unit we'll sort of try and stick to what we've done well over the last however many years as a one day unit. We've got a pretty sort of settled style and, and approach to the way that we want to play so I'm sure it'll be much of the same just going out and, and trying to take wickets with the ball and and sort of assess the conditions as a batting unit and, and play accordingly I guess. Um, yeah it's a it's a pretty boring answer that one, but I think that's what's made um, us a successful unit in one-day cricket over the years is is being able to adapt to those conditions and and really try and um, yeah play to the situation because I think yeah one-day cricket is is all about trying to adapt and and adjust because yeah, it's it's a good combination of the longer form of the game and and the shortest form of the game. The Aussies
4: aren't shy on a bit of a chip in the field, apparently, allegedly, um, I've heard. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what your experience has been like or if you've had any experience with them, but I, I'd imagine Warner, uh, David Warner and a few of those guys would uh, uh, be pretty
9: handy with a quip. Um, how, how are you place to handle that, do you reckon? Yeah, there's a, um, I haven't actually played against the senior side before, so that should be an interesting experience. Um, yeah, there's... There's always a little bit of um, jib thrown around at times in the domestic setup in New Zealand, so I'm sure there's nothing that I haven't heard before. Being a uh, reasonably uh, long in the tooth in my in my cricket career, so yeah, hope, hopefully, hopefully I get a little bit because that'll mean that I've been out there for a while, and and they're pretty pretty um, keen to see the back of me. So I think if 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 you are getting a little bit of chat from them, uh, you're, you're doing something right.
4: Yeah, nice, nice. I've got one for you, mate. If you if you see one of the bowlers uh, drop the little hand towel, just be, mate, mate, you you dropped your sandpaper. You dropped your sandpaper. Go pick that up. <laughs> uh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> a lot of water <laughs> under the bridge. <laughs> Slip it in, mate. Slip it in. They're never shy. They're never shy. <laughs> they're never shy. Um, what do you make about where the Aussies are at at the moment? Obviously, we're, we're the number one ODI side in the world at the moment, and they've come off a 2-1 win over... Zimbabwe. So they'll, they've had a decent, uh, a decent hit out now despite that last game. So where do you think
9: they are at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think world cricket is, um, is, is pretty, is pretty even at the moment. And as you see with that last series, that sort of anyone on their day can beat anyone. So it's going to be a super exciting series. I know the guys are, are really motivated to get a win on Aussie soil. So, um, yeah, personally, I think. They're they're obviously a really good side, but I believe that we've got a we've got a great side as well, and it's going to be an awesomely uh, fought series. And hopefully, we can come away with a a win on Aussie soil, which yeah is is something that you dream of as a as a young fella playing playing for New Zealand, particularly against Australia, and even better in Australia taking away that uh, Chapel Hadley.
4: Yeah, how good would that be? I I mean, it seems to me, and I like mate, I've never played. Uh, you know cricket to the level that you play at uh, or anything even remotely close but it it seems to me with New Zealand cricket teams when we play Australia there's there's a bit of a a mental block sometimes maybe it's you know how some teams come up against the All Blacks and have that same sort of thing is Mm. is that something as a team that you work on with
9: um I don't know mental strength sessions and that sort of stuff yeah we haven't actually spoken about that at all Um, it's yeah i Obviously, being my first series, I haven't really experienced um, what it's like. I know that the group right now are, are pretty confident in in our ability and in our ability to take them on on their home soil, and I think it is something that motivates us as a group is coming over here and and being able to yeah have a have a, a Chapel Hadley series win on Australian soil because I think it's something that um, has been hotly fought um, in in the past so yeah it's i think this sort of chapel Hadley series brings out the best in us so hopefully we can we can come away with the win yeah, hopefully. I'm uh, looking forward
4: to it all kicking off uh, later on today. I think four o'clock the coverage starts. We've got live mm. commentary here on SENZ as well. Uh, what about the, uh, the 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 deck? Have you had a chance to have a look at the deck? And any idea what sort of makeup of the eleven there will be? I mean, we've got three spinners on to it. Do you think all three will play?
9: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't actually had a had a really good look at the wicket. Um, I saw Kane and Steady having a good look yesterday, so I'm sure they've got their ideas on. On what the makeup of the side will be, but yeah, that's a bit above my pay grade at the moment. Um, figuring out the balance of a side, I, if I if my name's on that sheet, I I just want to go out and play to the best of my ability. But I leave the um, those big decisions up to the big boys at the top.
4: Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and and I mean, in an ideal world, um, where do you sit in that Black Caps eleven in an ODI against Australia? Where do you want to be coming in in the order?
9: Yeah, I'd love to be um, batting at six or seven and and bowling um, a few overs. I think, yeah, if if it's if it is a wicket that would take a little bit of turn. Hopefully, I'll get to have a have a good bowl and, and bowl my ten. But um, if it's not, I think, yeah, we've got a we've got a number of guys in the side that that can offer some sort of bowling um, with Daryl and and Niche in the squad. So. Yeah, we've got sort of all bases covered, which is which is quite a good, uh, nice place to be, I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess the one
4: thing you don't have is a leggy, but I suppose what Mitch is a left arm orthodox that kind of
9: covers that a little bit, does it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Leg, leg spinners are a little bit of X factor, so it is a shame not having one on the tour. But um I'm sure, yeah. Mitch has done an amazing job uh, at a, for a number of years now, but being able to. Take wickets, but also um, at an economical rate. So, yeah, we've got someone there who's absolutely world class that um, we'll be looking to feed off as a bowling unit.
4: Yeah, good stuff, Michael. Hey, listen, I really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, best of luck in the series against the Aussies. And hopefully, next time I'm talking to you, we're talking about that experience of winning a Chapel Hadley series on Australian soil, eh? Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. Talk,
9: talk then, talk to me,
4: yeah. Yeah, 24 past 10, time for the panel. Uh, Welcome in to David Long and Nikki Styrus. How are you guys?
8: Very well, thank you.
4: Good, good, good. Uh, We've got the uh, breaking news that uh, Rafa Nadal, the number two seed, is out of the US Open, beaten in four sets by Francis Mm -hmm. Tiafoe. So I guess uh, the best place to start is US Open, guys. Uh, We'll start with you, David. I mean, yesterday we saw Daniel Medvedev, the number one seed, knocked out by the uh, number 23, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, Seems to be a player that... Has turned his career around in the last sort of year, year and a half. Uh, what, what did you make of that?
8: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, you get you get everything you always uh, get with a Nick Kyrgios match in terms of you know his, his antics, but he seems to be um, you know more focused on his tennis than ever before in his career, and he's, he's reaping the uh, the rewards from that. It was it was an outstanding performance from from Kyrgios, and um, you know you think now maybe he can reach the potential that he showed. He so many
4: years ago. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Nikki, where are you on 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 Kyrgios? I mean, for me, I I think about how much people uh, remember and f- remember fondly and celebrate McEnroe at his worst. Um, so I don't get the vilification <laughs> for Kyrgios. Uh, where, where are you on him?
6: Oh, look, look there's no question. He's a, a player that polarizes people, and I I think that's great for tennis, for world tennis. But you know, for so long we've had the the types of Roger Federer's of this world who are so cool, calm, and collected and just go about their business. But Kyrgios, you just never know what you're going to get when he goes out on that court. Um, The one thing that has become a little bit more settled is his game. Um, He is serving like I have never seen. Like, I don't know if you saw that game yesterday, but, you know, Medvedev had no answers to that serve and he's winning it with an ace. And I, I, you know, I don't mind a little bit of that character coming in and that little bit of, you know, the antics. I... I think he's learning slowly just to calm his jets a little bit when it matters, you know, when it counts so that he can keep his cool and, and, and win those big games. And, but, yeah, and he's starting to do that. And I think, you know, he's an extremely impressive talent. You know, we, we all know that. So my money's on him now that Nadal's out to, to go right through and, and win this. And I really hope he does.
4: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think it'd be great uh, for tennis, and boy, it'd put a few noses out of joint too, wouldn't it, David? Uh, I, I, I guess his, his main, uh, the main threat for him now is Alcaraz.
8: Alcaraz, yeah. I mean, uh, Medvedev was very impressive today, beating beating Cameron Norrie, who has who looked unstoppable so far, and to beat Norrie in three sets, um, you know, you think it's, it's he's got a chance as well. And it, it's nice, actually. I think now with the with the men's tennis at the Grand Slams that you don't really know. You know so much who is going to win. It's not. As, it's still not as all over the place as the women's uh, tennis. Um, but it's nice. You know, we had we had the big three dominate for so many years that you know you sort of watched all the matches leading up to the semi finals and think, well, it's nice that that guy got to win, but he's not going to go. He's not going to win the whole thing, is he? And now we've got we've got a wide open. I think U.S. US Open now especially with Nadal going out today I think it's going to be a, a cracking
4: um, last few days of the tournament yeah, yeah looking forward to it fantastic yeah, Alcaraz plays uh, Cilic a little bit later on today and uh, we'll see how that goes uh, we also uh, had an all-black squad named today Nicky for the uh, uh, well yesterday actually for the for the two games against the Aussies no Adi Savi how big a miss do you think that'll be in Melbourne next Thursday oh, I actually think
6: that's huge Um uh, he, he to me has been a standout player right through the, the wins and the losses. The intensity that he brings to the All Blacks squad, his do or die approach is what's been needed from the All Blacks. And and he and uh, he leads he leads by example and he showed that again on the weekend. You know his his work around the breakdown is just phenomenal and and it was so nice to see that the, you know the rest of the squad really lift that intensity too. I thought Sam kane had one of his. Uh, best performances I've seen from him in a long time. And so, yes, I think he will be a big loss, although, you know, um, Hoskins, Satutu, um, Luke Jacobson and, of course, Dalton Papali'i, another one of my favourites. So, you know, they're going to get potentially a a, a crack, maybe not Luke Jacobson, but Dalton Papali'i is likely to get a crack and, um, you know, and also Hoskins, Satutu. So um, it's an opportunity for them to fire. And I guess uh, coming up against the Aussie side that, there's a little bit in sixes and sevens. I and mean, then we saw a good performance from them, and then we saw a rubbish performance. So yeah, it's wide open, isn't
4: it? Yeah, well, that, I think that sums up everybody in the rugby championship, doesn't it? Eh? They're Perfect. all two. They're all two and two. Uh, David, what do you think that Lucy makeup will be for that test next Thursday? Um, I, I, now that uh, Brody Retallick is fit, do you think we see Scott Barrett go to six, and then maybe Hoskins to eight? I mean, what what's that look like for you?
8: I, well i mean I think it could be uh hoskins, Dina, and Dalton Popoliti. i think I'd, i don't think I'd, I'd, i my choice wouldn't be to move move Barrett. um and I think it's actually quite good for the for the all blacks in terms of the, the long term that um Ardy's out and um uh Frizzell. you know because of because of this, the sort of struggles that the team have gone through we haven't seen you know the um Foster be able to sort of give give players like dalton and and um hoskins are, are running the team and, and they and they both deserve to be, um, you know, given the they, they haven't put a foot wrong really when they've had opportunities to play um, for the All Blacks in the in the past. And uh, sorry, I just see my dog trying to drink my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if he wasn't
4: off the leash before, he will be you.
8: after that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a good it's a good chance for Posse to give these other guys a run because, you know, in a World Cup, you need more than your, your 15 or your 22 or 23 these days. But, but um, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they go. I think it'd be great to see them guys get a run.
4: Yeah, Nicky, we're actually building some pretty good depth in the loose forwards when you consider that we've had no Ethan Blackadder this season due to injury. I mean, he's going to come back into it, maybe not in time for the Northern Tour, but certainly in time for next season. And then... Man, I mean, he's a guy that can play six or seven, and gives us lots of options.
6: Yeah, look, I agree, and 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 that's obviously what Foster's is trying to do is build depth because that's been one of the strengths of the All Blacks in, in recent times is their, you know, is their strength off the bench and having um, you know good impact players. So to have that is is, is wonderful, and, and I think the other thing I noticed too, one of my favourite standouts of um, against that Argentina game was took I thought he really, really owned that hook position and um I think we've struggled in the in the type five, you know, lately and, and to see him perform the way he did again with that same intensity really um does give me quite a lot of heart so yeah i think we're definitely building in the right direction gosh i hope we can just get it all together yeah. by next year
4: <laughs> yeah exactly with you on that one yeah and, and toki Ahao as well i think uh, player of the year for the all blacks so far has been the standout uh, is just so impressive so consistent we'll continue the panel chat uh in a little bit we're going to continue to talk all blacks we'll talk some cricket we'll talk some nrl as well but first here's araha hathaway with the latest NUs in news and sport
10: Talk the opinions. The
4: panel
6: talk, talk, talk me,
4: yeah. Yeah. 26 away from 11. Uh, Nikki Styrus and David Long with us on the panel. And uh, Nikki, we've got these two tests against the Aussies. It feels weird having a, a test match on a Thursday night at Marvel Stadium, doesn't it? Wasn't it a one day look at
6: him? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Ah, uh, well, no. Sorry, I was talking about the rugby. Still talking about the rugby. I mean, like oh, next...
6: sorry. oh, sorry, sorry. sorry, Yeah, yeah. My, ne- my bad.
4: yeah. No, that's all right. I think <laughs> next Thursday. Uh, yeah, the, the the first test of the of the of the two against the Aussies is on a Thursday night in Melbourne, which is unusual, shall we say?
6: Yeah, it, it is unusual, and I I must admit I did a double take when when I was reading on News Hub last night, and I said th- th- next Thursday, and I actually went back and looked at it again, thinking it was out of typo. So it is odd. I'm not actually too sure of the reasoning behind that. Does anybody else want to enlighten me?
4: David, have you got have you got any insight into this? Uh, is this to do with well, AFL finals or what?
8: And it, yeah, it's the AFL. AFL finals are, are on the first week of the finals last weekend. So um, I think they'll probably play Friday and Saturday um, at MCG the week after. And um, I think it's pretty pointless any any time China for rugby to try and go up against um, AFL in Melbourne. We saw that with that magic round um during the super rugby season was which was an absolute disaster when you had about you know um seven eight thousand people at amy park and sixty thousand across the road at the g so um it's i guess it's a smart idea if you're going to play going melbourne that you don't go to anywhere near an AFL game so I think that's the reason why why
4: this game is on on a Thursday. Yeah, well it works for state of origin midweek. We'll see if it works for the test. Uh, let's move on Nicky to uh to the cricket then. You're right it is an ODI. Uh well there's three of them. In fact against the uh against the Aussies. I was interested to see that New Zealand are number 1 in the world in ODIs. Australia are number 5. Yet we're paying 255 to win the first one and Aussie are dollar 41. Uh, is that is that just New Zealand's uh, little brother mindset when it comes to cricket and the Australian cricket team?
6: Well, it's not a bad bet because I think, you know, New Zealand has a very good one-day unit at the moment and Australia are looking a little bit rattled. Um, but the, the reason, I think, behind it is because we have never won an ODI series in Australia. It's a bit of an, um, a nemesis, perhaps. It's a bit of a hurdle that they don't know whether mentally we can... Get up and do that. Um, And, you know, but the thing is, New Zealand hasn't lost an ODI series, not in Australia, of course, since 2019, which is why we're world number one. And so I think, yeah, it's not going to be a bad bet um, on on the black cap. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this, actually. Hopefully the weather plays ball up in King.
4: Yeah, well, the weather is supposed to be good. And, uh, David, I... I in a way, I suppose being in Cairns rather than being at the G or uh, Sydney Cricket Ground or, or one of the traditional ones, maybe that takes away some of that Aussie aura that we're playing somewhere different.
8: Yeah, perhaps. So. I mean, I'm sure the crowd's not going to be as, as big as that you'd see in one of the, the big cities. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, Black Caps play someone someone decent again after after you, you know after we played after they played England in the in the tests. Um, few months ago, you know, to go to Ireland, Scotland, Netherlands, um, and then, uh, well, West Indies, obviously, a bit harder. But, you know, to see him having a real sort of challenge in, and, 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 some you know, up, up against an opposition of quality, I think that's going to be the exciting part of what's happened in, over these next three games. I think it is going to be very tough. And as Nicky said, you know, I think the, the fact that um, it's been so long since New Zealand, you know, have been able to, to win in Australia, um is a factor, and, uh, um, and because of that, really, I do think it's going to be tough, tough for them. But um, I think it's going to be, a, a, you know, an entertaining three uh, games.
4: Yeah, no, it should be, uh, particularly if the if the weather plays ball, it's supposed to. Uh, Nikki, I was I was looking at the uh, last game against Zimbabwe for the Australians, of course, and uh, Bill, the Ryan Bill, the the leg spinner comes on. Uh, bowls three overs, takes five for ten uh, No drama And then I look at the New Zealand squad And I'm like, we've got three offies in there And we've left this shoddy at home No legs, spin it Have we missed a trick?
6: Uh, look, and I'm going to be honest I don't know a lot about the Ken's pitch Was that Zimbabwe game up in Ken?
4: No, it was in Townsville
6: OK Well, look, all I would say is Normally Australian pitchers lend themselves To more steam bowling You know, they tend to be faster, bouncier pitches. Um, so maybe they, they know something we don't about that Kemp's pitch. Um, we, we we seem to be always a bit, little bit reluctant to take um, spinners to anywhere other than the subcontinent. So I don't know. I'm not, an, I'm not an expert there. All I would say is that, you know, I think Australia, after that loss to Zimbabwe, just showing that they are a little bit fragile at the moment. And well, Aaron Finch, who can't buy a run to save himself, he's in a bit of form slump and there's questions over his captaincy. Uh, so if we can knock David Warner over early, because obviously he's their danger man, then you know I think that you know we're we're a good chance.
4: Yeah, I mean David, uh, were you on the on the leg spin option? Surely even just to get inside their heads, having a, a leg spinner like Ish Sodi in the squad's not a bad idea.
8: Well, I like the fact that you just just mix things up, isn't it? I mean, if, if you've got sort of um, you know not too not too you know fairly gentle medium pace or, or you know bit of bit of speed. Uh, and in off-spin, um, you know, bat, bat, the batsmen always know what to expect and they get into a routine on, on what sort of balls. But, uh, you know, it, it's just the extra dynamics that a next springer brings. Um, you know, and, and in a 15 50, 50 over game where, you know, guys can sort of bat themselves in a lot more than in a, a 20 game, I think it, that, that dynamic does, you know, can, cancel the change um, how a game goes.
4: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, Nikki, have you got a prediction for the series?
6: Um, yeah, I actually think we're gonna. I think we're gonna take the series. Um, I do actually. I think that you know we've got a really well balanced one day squad, and they're all actually showing form, some good form at the moment. We saw that in the West Indies. We saw Finn Allen, who you know opening a fantastic job. Devin Conway, we already know how good he is. Gut on his day is you know is a world beater. So we're great at the top. We've got Tom Latham who can and Daryl Mitchell who are both also. Been in some good form, you know. I mean, I know Latham took a bit to get going, but you know his last game was a good one as well. And then you've got obviously our uh, our duo of Southie Bolt and potentially Ben Sears there coming in. So I think we look on paper like a really good outfit. And if we can just uh, get it together on the day, because we all know cricket's a tough <laughs> tough game to get it together on the day, then um, I think we will take this series. Yes.
4: Yeah, and now I mean, you know, Cairns David is known uh, to be. Pretty warm, pretty uh, humid. Uh, that humidity—I know it's date night, so it might uh, take away a bit. But if, if we're bowling first and it's humid up there with uh, Southie and Bolt, who like to hoop it around a bit, uh, that's going to be pretty interesting.
8: Yeah, it will be. It's definitely got that potential. I mean, uh, one thing I'm interested in is how how Kane Williamson does. Um, I'm I trying to think of the last time he had a, he had a really good a good patch of games. I think it's um, I think it could be a while. Um, obviously, it's not any pressure on him in terms of. You know, position or, or his status in the team, but uh, I think he's due, and hopefully this will be um, a perfect time for him to sort of you know get back some form.
4: Yeah, well, I do wonder. To be fair, and Nicky maybe you've got a take on this as well. I do wonder how long we've got with Kane before he does a Trent Bolt. <laughs>
6: uh, I think there's a little bit more at stake for Kane than just to, to, to jump ship to that. And I imagine that uh, between um, stuff that he does overseas already um, and amongst his New Zealand duties, he's probably reasonably well compensated um, in terms of cricket players. So perhaps one day, yes, he will jump ship. But, you know, look, I I, I don't blame these guys. I mean, people like Bolt and exactly DeGranton were getting on. You know, they've done their time. They've been great servants to New Zealand cricket. And who can blame them for wanting to you know, to go and, and make hay while they're still able? And I know my husband certainly did it towards the end of his career and it, it helps set your family up. So, and you see it all around the world at the moment. So, you know, you, you can't begrudge people. Look at this live tour, you know, it's money talks and um, these guys have done their time for New Zealand. So, you know, if they want to go, Fair play,
4: I say. Where where do you reckon Scott's got more chance of picking up a contract? The IPL on a comeback or the Live Tour, (laughs) given who they're throwing contracts at?
6: Uh, Definitely the Live Tour, which bodes well for for a new house for me, I'd say. (laughs) His his golf's quite good. His cricket, I wouldn't say, would be much good anymore. He's (laughs) actually about to go in the the road safety series over in uh, India as part of the New Zealand Legends team. Uh, It's going to be bloody hilarious because um, the old band back together, um, Mills, Bond, um, Jake Oram, Brownlee, Cyrus, Martin, McMillan, you name it, they're all going. And I will be intrigued as to see whether A, my husband can get through one game without getting injured, and actually actually, how many of them get through. I think the only one that will go okay would be Ross Taylor, and that's because he's only just recently retired, but uh, certainly will make interesting viewing.
4: Jeez, how many physios are they taking with that team?
6: Well, <laughs> it's actually... I might put that in my story when I do it. <laughs> it's a good... That's
4: a very good question because they're going to need lots. They they will need lots. Uh, Just before I let you guys go, of course, uh, we do have uh, the end of the NRL season for the Warriors uh, finished. I don't think you could have finished a season in any more Warriors style than they did. Uh, But the big story, of course, this week is the draw for next season, the fact the Warriors only play nine at Mount Smart. Um, And interesting to see, David, too, it doesn't happen often, but Sean Johnson, Tohu Harris, had a couple of players come out and criticise the NRL over this.
8: Yeah, that's right. I mean, Sean, um, credit to him, he does speak his mind a fair bit, but Tohu has um, always been less inclined to sort of speak out against anything um and before actually he was at the when they did the media last week sean spoke first and he had his big rent and then he went over to tohu and say oh look i just said this can you back me up <laughs> sort of, yeah, okay, mate. <laughs> so he sort of he was sort of a pressured into saying it but I, I think it's it's fair you know i think I, I completely agree with what the guy said that um you know for three years you've had the nrl clubs um then the nrl say you know we're really grateful for what you've done you kept the competition going. Um, and if it wasn't for you, you know, the, the season would have collapsed. And then when it comes to sort of, you know, any sort of payback for it, all the clubs say, oh, sorry, mate, not us, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, it, it's very shame. I know I know, uh, Cameron George, he is there. Is, there are a couple of options that he's still looking at um, to try and get some extra games in, in, next, in New Zealand next year. Um, whether they're to get across the line or not, I don't know. But I think it's, it's a real shame. I mean, and not just for... Um, For Warriors fans in Auckland, but um, but the fact that you know it was an opportunity to sort of grow the game around the country. The NRL talk a lot about how important New Zealand is, um, and they've shown no leadership in trying to uh, encourage other other teams to play in New Zealand next year. Yeah, there'll be a game in Wellington and one in Napier. But it's interesting that Christchurch wasn't interested in them. in hosting one. I'm not sure why the reason for that was, but um, it's very sad for people in the South Islands are not going to get to
4: see him next year. Yeah, very much so. Or maybe that is one of the uh, options uh, Cameron George is exploring. But, uh, Nicky, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, they said, well, it's nine games at Mount Smart. You still do have two other games. You're taking one to Napier and one to Melbourne. But that's still not even half our games because the 12th home game is being, uh, our home game is going to be during Magic Round, which is. Not in, even in New Zealand, let alone anywhere near home, which seems a bit of uh, a, a bit of a slap in the face.
6: That is really disappointing, and I'm, you know, I am a long-suffering Warriors fan, as David. And I think, you know, you sort of, I think what we always must remember is this is an Australian competition, and actually, when a push comes to shove, they don't care about us. You know, they will, yes, they want us in there, but if it means that they have to make sacrifices. Uh, for their own fans or their own clubs, they won't do it. And I'm not surprised to hear that when um, they had to put their money where their mouth was, that they, they've, they've gone, oh, yeah, no, sorry, we don't, we don't want to go over there. And, um, and it's the same with the NRL. They are an Australian competition. I think. So I think, you know, while we can live and hope that that changes, I think I, I can't see it changing. I really can't. And it's, it's a real shame because you're right, we do need to grow the game here. And we do need to expose more of our young players to NRL and that type of thing so that we can breed a team of local talent that can come through and actually do the Warriors proud. At the moment, we seem to get all the casts off from Australia that they're either at the end of their career or they're a Reese Walsh at the beginning of their career and then we lose them. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's disappointing for the Warriors and it's an uphill battle, but I just can't see any... uh,
4: anything changing anytime soon. There you go. Uh, that has been the panel. Thank you very much to David Long and Nicky Styrus. We are 12 away from 11 here on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: It's uh, 7 away from 11 here on SENZ. Time for our Love Racing update. loveracing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews and more. Louis Herman, what what is uh, the big news from Love Racing today?
10: Well, it's Group 1 week. Tarzino Trophy this weekend, Rick Dogg. So really looking forward to ripping in the later in the week where we get the draw on Wednesday and see what the market does off the back of that draw. Of course, in trees will be the dollar on pop to... Win it, the first group one of the year, but La Creek level up and go to another level. Horse of the Year awards were on Sunday night. It was cool to be there. Um, Hutchie flew in for the night and and um, yeah had it, we had a great time Probably horse of the year and deservedly so she knocked off Zaki once she ran behind him another time she ran fifth in a cox plate where she really didn't have right to do because the footing wasn't great so it was awesome and it was a completely well deserved win by probably who is now off to start for a date with Al
4: No, Oh how good mate and how much are those foals going to be worth a fair amount I would imagine in the next a little while it is six away from 11
3: winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on NZ.
4: Hey, coming up 11 o'clock here on SCNZ. Ricardo in for Smithy. Uh, He is, of course, at the cricket over in Cairns. The Chapel Hadley series uh, gets underway today from 4 o'clock. We have live coverage here on SCNZ. of that first ODI. Daniel McCarty, Hamish Bennett, Sam Hargreaves, Damian Fleming and Brian McGain are leading the coverage. You can tune in uh, on the SCNZ app and catch all of that from 4 o'clock today. Coming up in the next hour, your chance to win $100 $100 TAB bonus bet with Stumped and we're also going to preview all tomorrow's Champions League group stage matches with English football journalist Matt Reed, plus uh, Brendan Popperwell from the TAB he's going to come on, take a rest from throwing tin around the gym and give us an update on uh, where he thinks the value is in those Champions League games tomorrow
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past Smithy this is Mornings
4: with Ian Smith on SENZ. You're on SEN. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. No Smithy at the moment because he's in Cairns uh, covering the Chapel Hadley series. So you've got me, Ricardo. And you've also got uh,
5: Matt Reed, uh, English football journalist extraordinaire. How are you, sir? I'm okay. I'm not bad. I've been I've been offending Manchester City fans today by uh, by telling them Aguero wasn't quite as good as everyone remembers. So uh, <laughs> I'm keeping off Twitter for the next hour just while They moan at each other and moan at me.
4: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, not as not not as good as maybe compared to Erling Haaland. I think that'd be fair.
5: Yeah, I've made that point. I've I just made, I just made I love the point is too great. Visit me on Twitter and go and have a look at it. But uh, yeah, they're all they're all going crazy at the moment. Yeah, you can
4: find you on Twitter at Matt sixty six. That's the place, absolutely. And the controversy. The yeah. And downright and logic. Yeah, and, and obviously sixty-six is because the greatest year in English football. Um, the year Eric Cantona was born. I mean, both of these points are key, absolutely. (laughs) Quality, mate. Hey, we're going to talk uh, Champions League because Champions League gets underway tomorrow morning, New Zealand time, and uh, we've got two rounds of group matches because, of course, uh, with the World Cup being early, they're ramming everything in. Uh, So let's start talking about that. Uh, The early kickoffs tomorrow in New Zealand time, which are quarter to five in the morning, uh, uh, Dinamo uh, Zagreb-Chelsea in Group E and Dortmund versus Copenhagen in Group G. Let's start with the Chelsea, man. What do you know about Dinamo Zagreb, the uh, Croatian champions?
5: I know that of all of the uh, the dominant teams in Europe in their domestic leagues, uh, Dinamo are right up there. It's uh, I think it's twelve years in a row they've won their domestic um, um, trophy for now. They're uh, the league winners for all of that run, um, and they dominate. And their academy is remarkable. That's the main reason for their their domination. They're the best players in Croatia come through their academy and are then spread around Europe, but they don't hold on to them for long. So um it's not like it's a, a revelation that, that Dinamo are competing in the Champions League um and it's also not a revelation because Croatia is one of the hotbeds of of raw footballing talent uh and they have technical um, players they have a great understanding of the game and they have a management structure at their clubs which is well well used to being in the Champions League. so um they're a, they're, they're not a team who are going to be a pushover and they never are. No, um, and there's a there's, there'll be a lot of new names in this team, possibly some
4: future stars. And they they take on a a Chelsea side who you would expect to win this, but Chelsea aren't exactly flying at the moment, are they? I mean, they were they lost to Southampton, they were probably very lucky to win against West Ham. They're going to Croatia, never an
5: easy place to go. No, 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 certainly. Um, and and I think as you as you were saying there, Chelsea's form has been sketchy. Um they have a uh, they have a team with a huge number of options, but a number of a lot of those key options have been added last minute. And uh, I mean, there's a big change with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, the old Arsenal striker who's been at uh, at Barcelona for the end of last season and rediscovered some form. Um, so there is there is a lot of um, a lot of change. They also have um, new defenders having been brought in. Um, they smashed their own record for a uh, for a centre back um so so, but big money has been spent and they've also today big big news you can hear my my youngest making some noise (laughs) in the background sorry um they've also um, today they've six-year contract has been signed by Rhys James yeah he he is without question uh one of the best attacking right backs and fullbacks in Europe um he signed a six-year deal he already had uh, I think four years to run this deal, but it's one of those where Chelsea are just desperate to lock him down, uh, and the same is happening with Mason Mount, who's been a key player for them. He, even though he's not viewed as being particularly sexy, he's such a, a continuity player for Chelsea that they're, they're they're going to tie him down as well for a five or six year deal with you know improved terms. So Chelsea are building at the moment. The new ownership are in place. Abramovich is gone, and Boley uh, regime is in, uh, and they're they, they're spending a serious amount of money but it's very late very very late in the window and it's it's upset their rhythm and it's upset their preparation for the season so they still have um Cesar Aspilicueta and uh, and uh, Thiago Silva as kind of key components at the back who are both seem slightly better days although they, are, although they are still right up there in the way they're playing um but um, N'Golo kanté is not signing a new contract. Um, Kovacic has been out injured. Who is the other kind of uh, ball winning uh, coordinator of their midfield? Jorginho is struggling without them. Who plays alongside one or one or the other most of the time? Uh, and their wingers haven't functioned. They've been trying to sign Anthony Gordon from. We were speaking about this last time from Everton, um, and he's not. He's not managed to be swayed or I think possibly he was swayed uh, but they couldn't convince Everton to part with him so there, there are a lot of um, parts of the club which aren't quite locking together at the moment and it just means that the the, the, the this uh, holistic plan that needs to be in place to win football matches it's not perfect and um, That said, uh, Chelsea are still um, a a team who I believe will be finishing the top four this season, despite the huge number of changes. They just need a few weeks or maybe six weeks up to that to settle these new players in. Mm. Uh, Didamo Zagreb are unbeaten domestically. Uh, What
4: chance do you give them of causing an upset, maybe not getting a win, but maybe pinching a
5: point? It's, it's very very definitely possible um there've there been moments in the past where uh, where zagreb have started a season and, and the earliest matches in their groups they get the good results because it's it's a case of um of the opposition underestimating them to no small point and and chelsea are are ripe right moment really for the, for that kind of upset so um i think there is a there is a, a real chance of that uh, and, and Tuchel... As much as he has, has a great reputation, as much as he's done a great job at Chelsea, and he's won the Champions League with them, which is which is no small achievement for for the for the club in the way that it was when he took over. Um, it, it, there, there's so much change um, at the moment, and these these new players bringing Abayang into the team who could. Go one of two ways. The way he played at Arsenal and the, the problems that he created at Arsenal were enormous, weren't they? I mean, they're absolutely unsettled. He was an ego in the club, and he was a he was a problem for the authority of the manager. Tuchel has managed him before, and he's got good results out of him. At uh a, a good results out of him, but. Um, it's very different managing these these players when you are when you are the dominant force at PSG or when you are a, a, the club who have this long stru- like held structure at Dortmund. So there is a, a different dynamic with with the big money and with the big ego at Chelsea. So hopefully, because he's coming back and he and he needs it now, um, Aubameyang more than he did when he was at Arsenal when he was sitting on a big salary. He's now kind of like proving himself back again in in England. It, it, you kind of think he will fit in well, and there are players around him. The ZHs of this world and the Mason mounts who will create a lot of chances. So um, he'll be the really interesting one to watch out for, uh, I think, this season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's going to be interesting
4: to see the other match in the group as well. RB Salzburg up against AC Milan, who, of course, uh, just won the Milan derby. Uh, Milan are uh, away in that fixture, but you would expect them to win it. Um, Now, I mentioned uh, earlier Group G. uh, The reason that we're so interested in Group G in this part of the world is not because of Manchester City. Uh, It is because of FC Copenhagen and uh marco stamenic uh the uh, the all white who is uh, uh at copenhagen and has just broken into the first team so he he could be the first kiwi since danny hay to play champions league football we're looking forward to that although they're very much battling battling for third i think in that group
5: yeah um i, I hadn't picked up on that either. so that's 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 really good to know um i, I will be using that and uh and calling it my own research um <laughs> um, um yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they they certainly are, are a long way from the favourites in that group. Um, and and, and Bruce Dortmund, for for all the change that's happened there, and for the for the you know, massive players they've lost in recent seasons, losing Jaden Sancho and now losing Harland, they still have a core of excellent players. You have the Bellinghams and the Royces of this world, and you know quality in that midfield. Um, and and uh, to be fair to them, they I think they've, they've they've refocused themselves into being a European team from being a uh, a week to week challenger for Bayern Munich. They see themselves more in a, in a guise of being a cup challenger. And once you're out of the group stage, that's what the Champions League is. So, um, I would still be fancying them to be uh, to be topping the group. Um, but Copenhagen um, are again are one of those teams that are disciplined, that are structured, and they aren't a team that are going to be that are going to be skittled. You, you won't find them losing five or six nil. Um, you've got a team there which is organised and disciplined, um, and have have some not to call upon a Viking cliche, but have some warriors uh, in the side. So a solid spine, uh, and yeah, maybe maybe uh, the Kiwi amongst them could be uh, could be stepping up and making some headlines. Um, uh, maybe it, maybe it would be the the uh, the compensation goal rather than being the winner but uh, maybe a headline maybe a headline indeed of course the other two teams in that group are Sevilla and Manchester City
4: City go to Spain for the first game of the group stage uh, Sevilla look all over the shop at the moment they've had a terrible start in La Liga just got beaten 3-0 by Barca at the weekend as well this should be a romp speaking of giant Vikings for uh, Erling Haaland and Manchester City
5: Yes, yeah, Sevilla are, are, um, were excellent last season. They really were. I mean, they were one of my favourite teams to watch in Europe. Um, so solid, great defenders um, and, and a plan that had been building for, for three, four years. But they've lost the heart of their defence. Um, Koundé's gone to Barcelona, as you kind of referenced. And Diego Carlos has also left and he's now gone to Aston Villa, even though it's not working out immediately as well for him. Um it's a massive change to be to be altering your defence and you know taking your best players out in the way that they have. Normally, the the model there is a bit like Ajax, where they lose one player a season, but um they but they've lost they've lost two, and I hope you can't hear him singing bar ba bar in the background. <laughs> quiet, quiet, please, young man. Um, but yet, Um it's it's a it's a massive upheaval for them, and it doesn't normally happen at Severe. It's normally one player. I mean, the last time it happened was when uh, um, Sergio Ramos uh, left the club, and uh, and there was there was um, there was somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Left that season as well. They they, they they're very good at, at just making the odd change here and there to cover their cover their money. So um, they're an unsettled team. I think this season they've lost. Well, they are certainly in the bottom five or six in the in La Liga. Um sixtieth, 16th, sixteenth in La Liga. Uh, and have been struggling, so it could be uh, a bit of a, a duck hunt on that one. And I think we, you may well find that it's a big scoring for uh, for Manchester City as Erling Haaland wants to again show, uh, hammer home the fact that like after the Community Shield when he when he he didn't score and he wasn't the star man, he wants to come in there and really blast the world away. And I think it'll happen again. There could be a lot of goals.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, yeah, Sevilla struggling, and that's why I think Dortmund uh, will will probably get second in that group. Copenhagen could potentially fight it out for third with Severe and and, and maybe Europa League. Uh, We also have uh, Group F kicking off uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Leipzig play Shakhtar, and I think Leipzig will get the better of that with Shakhtar having lost all their Brazilians. But then you've got um, Celtic back in the group stage for the first time in a long time, taking on some upstarts from Spain and the uh, called Real Madrid. Um, I mean after Celtic's flying start of the season what
5: chance do you give them to get something out of that game given it's a Parkhead. We've seen them over the years Celtic. Um, they love the big games and they've always competed well against the Spanish teams Barcelona and uh, and Real Madrid. Well Barcelona in particular but when they come up against the the uh, the Spanish clubs they they show no respect uh and and de has, has has got a setup up there which is so structured and organized it's, it's i mean it's such a, a good team to watch uh and they've started the season so well they've got one six on the bounce they've conceded one goal in and they've scored something like i think it's twenty five goals in their six games um which is which is which is crazy um but we have to factor in that they are playing they've played against a couple of the weaker teams in the scottish uh, top flight uh and and, and you know it's not exactly the same as Champions League standard, but the but the the transition has been better for Rangers that their uh, Glaswegian counterparts into Europe uh, in recent times because of what they achieved in the uh, Europa League last year. But um, Celtic still are a are a team that raises their game for facing against uh, big opposition, and, uh, and I think that they could really shake up Madrid. And I wouldn't rule out a win there for Celtic. At all. Oh, wow. Not just a draw, a win um, because. It's it's it is a bit David and Goliath, and I'm sorry that it is a cliche, but, but and and that's the difference in the in the budgets and in the names that are in the team. But Celtic have a a team and a unity which which gets in the face of uh, of big stars, and even though a Benzema will be able to deal with these kind of things, you no, know, or a Modric or whoever in that team, they'll be able to deal with that kind of wind up. Eventually, that that kind of like tenacity can can tell, and I think it might do. In that match, yeah, and in group H, we've got Benfica against
4: Maccabi Haifa, which would probably not be the highlight of the of the day for anybody in this part of the world. But I do rate Benfica as a threat to the big two in this group Paris, Saint Germain, and Juve, who meet
5: in the opening day. PSG at home should get that win, yeah. PSG should get that win. Uh, Juve is still in this uh, kind of like transitional phase following the uh, the the gambling on uh, on cristiano ronaldo and uh, and the changes that occurred following him leaving um psg have have so much quality and they've had a good window i mean they've brought their, their midfield now is full of 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 real um creativity and a good mix of 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 battlers like the Virginias in this world uh, but they've also got Real numbers, I mean massive strength in depth. And the complaint a couple of seasons ago when they missed out on reaching the Champions League final, uh, in the year that uh, that Chelsea and Manchester City went went to war. Um, that was that was a. Uh, they had their first eleven and they had three or four additional options, but they didn't have the the strength in depth or the or the assets off the bench. Now their their squad is is 2022. 20, really really good players I mean they've got they've got I'd say they've got two 11s that could compete in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and be very competitive probably winning um, so um, Paris Saint-Germain for me are are best prepped at any point that they have been um, going into this season despite all of the nonsense that hangs around what's happened with Kylian Mbappe and the fact that Lionel Messi isn't as dangerous as he was three or four seasons ago. Mm, and a no-nonsense manager, which is something they've needed for a while. Good
4: stuff, Matt. Really appreciate your time, mate. I'll let you get back to dad duties. And uh, enjoy the
5: Champions League kicking off. And no doubt we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Sorry about the Barbar blah, blah, Black sheep. So there's, there's far too much singing going on in my house.
4: There you go, Matt Reid out of the UK.
5: We'll catch up with him
4: again tomorrow to preview the games coming up on Thursday morning. Joining us now to talk the games coming up today from the TAB is Brendan Popwell. G'day, B-Pops, how you doing?
10: Ricardo, yeah, pretty good, thanks, Rick Dog. Uh, yeah, pumped up, actually. It's I bet
4: a, you're pumped up. You're at the gym, mate. Are you throwing the tin rounds? <laughs> what are you pressing these days?
10: Oh, hey, hey, no comment. You never want to talk yourself up uh, in that sort of leg there. Uh, Ricardo, just... Uh, Shoulders and arms today, mate. Shoulders and arms. Ah, oh,
4: yeah. You, you always skip leg day, right, BP? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes.
10: Yeah. It's amazing how you just get back to that upper body. You don't want to get around <laughs> those legs. Um. But anyway. Oh, hey, look. Um. You know the the song sheet we're seeing knocked here as well, Rick Dog.
4: Yes, I do very well, very well. Too much <laughs> like hard work doing legs. Hey, um, BP, uh, Champions League does kick off tomorrow morning. We do have uh, two two games early kickoff, quarter to fives. Dinamo Zagreb, unbeaten in Croatia, um, host Chelsea, who are a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. Chelsea are a dollar fifty favourites, but I can see some some value in the draw at four twenty.
10: Yes, well, I was about to say that, uh, Ricardo. That's where we've seen sort of our our biggest sort of traction around that draw uh, at $4.20. Look, Chelsea at $1.50 in in terms of dollars and cents around this match has been the best back, but the draw is attractive at the $4.20. And and what we've also seen around this match is punters are uh, sort of getting around sort of the the total goals in the match. We've seen uh, money on over one and a half goals at $1.24 and over two and a half goals uh, at a dollar seventy-five is also where we've seen some money. So expect them to be goals, but also the value might be around the draw uh, at four dollars and twenty cents. And another key game as well uh, that I heard you talking there uh, with your the main man around the, the Champions League is this Manchester City game, where they're a dollar thirty-three, very popular through multis, But boy, I reckon you need to look towards this total goals market where we've seen. Uh, a lot of money around that particular game too, Ricardo. Uh, we, we've seen money for uh, over uh, over three goals in the match, which is currently a dollar fifty-five. That has been strongly backed at a dollar fifty-five again. Great for the Maltese. Or if you wanted to go one step further, I believe there could be over four goals in the match at two dollars and forty cents. So punters looking towards all those different options. But yeah, Man City very well played.
4: Yeah, I think uh, over four goals is definitely on the way that Erling Haaland started the season, and Sevilla are in rebuild mode. They lost their centre-back pairing from last season. Um, they're both gone, so defensively. And they just shipped three to Barcelona on, on the weekend. So uh, I like that, mate. Yep. I like that. I'll tell you, the other place I think there's a bit of value, PSG are the hottest of hot favourite, uh, favourites against Juve. They're paying $1.30, mm-hmm. draw at $5.50. Juve at nines. But Juve are unbeaten in Italy. Defensively, they've been pretty sound. Um, I like the draw at five fifty. There, man. I think I think that's really good value.
10: Oh wow, that's interesting you say that because it's all around PSG in this match, actually. So you, you might even get yourself uh, a little bit a little bit more if you, if you hang around and wait, uh, Ricardo. But the money is is all around PSG at the one thirty. Um, punters want to get around that, so your draw might be uh, you, certainly a bit of meat on that bone there at the five point five. Um, dollar thirty popular too for multi punters. I mean, uh, the, the classic start to to the Champions League punters want to run the the favourites through their multis. i have seen dollar twenty two, dollar thirties, dollar fifties. Uh, they just want to keep running these things through the multis. But that might be one where you might have found yourself a bit of value, but PSG so far. Best backed around 75% of our bets in that marketplace has all been on PSG.
4: Now, Celtic uh, host Real Madrid. They beat their uh, fierce rivals, Rangers, 4-0 on the weekend. Mate, are they getting any love with you?
10: They are. They are. They, they, that's been one where we have seen a little bit of love for one of the outsiders uh, for Celtic at the $4.50. But well, Graal are always going to have their supporters, isn't it, Aren't they? I mean, they're $1.57. The draw is in that in that place in the market where it's $4.20 and those that are liking a little bit of Celtic are thinking, well, hang on a minute, if I'm liking Celtic, maybe I need to have a little saver on the draw at $4.20. So it's a little bit of flip-flop there between those that are backing Celtic and the and the draw in Real Madrid. You sort of get those classic sort of $500 to $1,000 punts on them. Uh, they're sitting around that fifty seven mark, but that's the game where it could be earmarked as a possible upset.
4: Yeah, and then uh, just before I let you go, mate, a couple of, that I've included in my multi for today... I think RB Leipzig to beat Shakhtar at a dollar twenty is a lock. Um, you know, given everything that's happening in the Ukraine. They've lost all their Brazilian superstars, uh, Shakhtar, so I, I think they're there for the taking. But also I thought there's a good value in AC Milan. Away at uh, Austrian side Salzburg, um, they've just won the Milan Derby, the top of CDR, and they're paying a dollar ninety one, I reckon. That's that's very good money.
10: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny you say that actually. Around that match is that, that the draw has been ultra popular uh, in, in that AC Milan match, uh, but you, you like in Milan at a dollar ninety one. You, you, you're not alone there, Ricardo, in terms of draw in AC Milan uh, uh, is where the money is sort of heading in that particular match. Uh, and the other match you mentioned, uh, what was the other game you mentioned there? Leipzig and Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. This is one way traffic actually uh, at a dollar and twenty cents. I actually think that's value, uh, and, and are with you in terms of of the lock uh, of the Champions League. And we're seeing money again uh, on these total goals. Uh, total goals over three goals in the match at $1. forty. That's strong. And over four goals in the match, uh, $2.03. Uh, there's been some good traction around that market too. So, look, plenty of options, as we all know, Ricardo. And uh, you can jump on tab.co.nz and get amongst it because, as you said tick off tomorrow at a quarter
4: to five. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. And just before we let you go, BP, number one ODI team in the world is uh, the Black Caps. Uh, they play some bums uh, from Australia who are currently ranked fifth. <laughs> um, but for some reason in the market, uh, we're outsiders paying $2.55 versus $1.47. How's that work? <laughs> that's right. Yeah,
10: played in the middle of nowhere too. Um, so uh, that's just to add a little bit extra more flavour to the match. Well, what well, I can do is money's been pretty good for Australia. Uh, we've had a, a couple of uh, sizable $500 bets on uh, Australia. We've had just a little drift on the, on the black caps, but, boy, they've come off the back of a loss to Zimbabwe. Uh, surely this is a chance for us to come in and pounce. Uh, so 255, just a slight little ease in the market. I can tell you, best backed in the match in terms of top run scorer has been given Conway, Kane Williamson, Finnell, Ellen, They've all had money, and we've also had money on the best backed power play for any player to be out for a golden duck, uh, currently sitting uh, at a twelve dollar price. But look, if you like the Black Caps, they've had a hot winter, uh, of course, beating some lower grade size, but then coming off the back of a good West Indies tour. Two fifty five is your price. It might be a nice little one to run through your multi's into the Champions League.
4: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Go well, mate. Hey, listen, B pops, be careful. Uh, use your knees, and uh, you try not to do any damage to your to yourself. But uh, yeah, pump pump those guns, okay. mate. Pump those guns. Summer is coming.
10: All
4: right, mate, I've just jotted that down. Okay, all right, brick dog. Okay, all right, All right, thanks, man. No worries, mate, no worries. Uh, Brennan will live uh, mid workout here on SCNZ. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Ian Smith's had a good match here.
6: Stumped by Smithy.
11: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: Yes, it's time for Stumped by Smithy or potentially Stumped by Ricardo Ball here on SNZ Mornings. And after yesterday's crucial pet talk, you came through there, Ricardo, because we're up to $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here, mate.
4: Yeah, we are. And I know you've put the pressure on. You want it up to 150 for tomorrow. So the pressure is all on me.
0: Sure is, mate. It sure is, but also the pressure might be on uh, our first contestant uh, coming up with the crease, Lammy from Palmerston North, and from my reckoning, mate, looking at your stats, you're zero and two and stumped. Yep, I'm sure you, mate. Oh, actually, <laughs> hang
11: on, I stumped uh, Ricardo
4: last Monday, I think, on the soccer EPL. Oh, you did too, Lammy. Oh, I think you did. <laughs> you did, mate. Oh, all
11: mate. right. I'll all right. say
0: one, one and one and two then, and coming <laughs> off a big win like that, you must be feeling pretty good, mate.
11: Oh, I don't know, mate. I just have been studying it up lately. I just haven't been a crook, so I'll oh, just give it a go anyway. You know, I like always uh, visiting Ricardo. He's pretty cool.
0: Nice, mate. Well, I hope you're feeling better now. Here are the topics for you to choose from today. Rugby, American football, but NFL, or rugby league? Oh,
11: God. Um, oh, this game was uh, American football.
0: Oh. Yes, let's go. Just a laugh, just a
11: laugh. <laughs> I don't know
0: much about it, but hey, hey, I don't know if Ricardo does either. But the season does start on Friday <laughs> with my boys, the LA Rams, defeating Super Bowl oh. champions, taking on the Buffalo Bills. We'll see how you go. We'll see how Ricardo goes. Yep. Good luck to you, Lamy. First question ahead of the season start on Friday: Which team is favoured to win the Super Bowl according to the TAB?
11: Um. Oh, geez. I wouldn't have a clue actually, but I'll go. Um. Oh, Buffalo Bills.
8: That's
0: a couple of chips in the wicket, right oh, in the slot, no. underwear. Oh, goes. wicked! Yeah, mate. I just realised in my little <laughs> preamble there, I was like, "Damn, did I give that away?" But no. Uh, yes, the Buffalo Bills are the top. Well, yeah, favourites at the moment. Tampa Bay is second. Kansas City third, Ooh. and the LA Rams fourth. Wow. paying ten dollars. So. Some potential there. Ricardo, mm. you're a man who's normally across the odds there. Mm. How do you think you would have gone on that first question? I,
4: would, I, was, I, do, I wouldn't have got it right because I was tossing up between Kansas City and Green Bay.
0: Green Bay? Okay, I don't know if you mean paying attention. Um, yeah, all right. Anyway, <laughs> second question for you, Lammy. LA Rams are the defending champions. Who did they play in last season's Super Bowl?
11: Um, that'll be the Cincinnati Bengals, or Bengals, or whatever they are. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and the it goes. Sure was, mate. You're a sure two was. for two. Two this, for is, two this is looking
0: good. Very. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know there,
11: Ricardo.
0: He might the, uh, well, we'll get the last one if I get it wrong. Yeah, mate, we'll see. But the $100 TAB <laughs> bonus bet is up for grabs here for you, mate. Last question. Aaron Rodgers is returning for another season with the Green Bay Packers. In what year did he become their number one starting quarterback following in the shoes of the legendary Brett Favre?
11: 2002,
10: maybe? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: I can hear you trying to do some maths there in the, in the background trying oh to figure God, it out. you probably, oh,
10: uh,
4: yeah. probably get it on gun, eh? uh, it's, I think, yeah, you're, you're probably about eight to ten years out. I'm going to say 2010.
0: Oh. One of the worst oh.
4: things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: You're two years off, my friend. It was 2008. Oh. Oh. Of course, uh, yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers sort of... He came into the league in 2005 and then, yeah, sort of took over the reins there in 2008 and stuck around ever since, sitting yeah. around for another season. because. Nope. Per-
4: not being a cheesehead, I, I wasn't sure, but all I was trying to remember was when Brett Favre appeared in something about Mary, and thinking, oh, that must have been close to the end." <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love that. Hey, let me. What that does mean, mate, is you are still keeping your perfect record there, one hundred percent, taking on Ricardo. So the uh, one hundred dollar oh. TAB bonus bet is yours, mate.
11: Oh, thank you very much, and thank you very much for Ricardo last week because I backed um, uh, Manchester United on. Um, on um,
4: Friday and Monday as well. Oh, quality, so, mate.
11: Thanks, getting. No worries, anyway. Lammy. No worries,
4: <laughs> mate. I, uh, you, you, you're Lammy. I think next time that you're on with me, I might have to be Bunny because I've become your Bunny, haven't I? <laughs> you're just absolutely smashing me every time. Oh, I, I think it's just probably a fluke, Ricardo, really,
11: because you probably know more about sport than me. But thanks anyway, Ricardo. Love
4: playing against you, mate. Yeah, no, good stuff, Lammy. Nice work, mate. Go well and uh, good luck. Enjoy that $100 TIB bonus bet. Oh, cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Logan. He did it. He did it. He, he, pff, I, I thought Lammy, I was like, there's no way he's picking in you know, NFL. I thought he'd pick uh, Rugby League, to be fair. I, was, I, I thought that's where we were going to go, so it caught me a bit by surprise.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things where people are like, well, what does Ricardo know? And this is a strategy people uh, like to employ taking on Smithy as well is maybe don't go for one that he knows a lot about. Maybe does he know less about the third category? We'll wait and see. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, Smithy or yourself might surprise you. But Lemmy, he did pretty well there. He did. He did really well.
4: He did really well. So well done to Lemmy, uh, and it'll be back tomorrow with a fifty-dollar bonus bet. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Double eight, double three temper and bedposts, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Keen to hear from you or you can give us a bell on whatever you want to talk, whether it be the coming NFL season, that all black squad or how you think the number one black caps will go against the number five Aussies in today's Chapel Hadley, 0800 150 811.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: 13 away from midday here on SENZ. Mornings with Smithy. No Smithy at the moment. He's in Cairns for the cricket, of course. Gets underway. Live coverage here on SENZ starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon. That first ODI of the Chapel Hadley series between Australia and New Zealand. Daniel McCarty, Hamish Bennett, Sam Hargreaves, Damien Fleming and Brian uh, Bryce McGain, I should say, leading the coverage for you. And on that, Aaron Finch, possibly soon-to-be former Australian uh, captain, uh, was talking ahead of this. He struggled for runs, scored 21 in three
1: matches against Zimbabwe. Pressure's on him. Oh, they're a world-class side, regardless of whether you play them in a, a World Cup or, or any bilateral series. Um, they're a fantastic unit. They have been for a long time. They They continue to to be one of the, the benchmarks in world cricket in all three formats of the game. So uh, they're led wonderfully well by Kane, who, who's done that for a long time now. And, and the fact that they're world number one at the moment in, in ODI cricket is, uh, is testament to that.
8: Afternoon
10: start this time round, a bit different to Townsville, you looking forward to the change?
1: Yeah, 9.40 was a was a very early start. Um, it doesn't give the, the conditions a huge amount of time to dry out, so the toss become really important in those Townsville games. I felt like whoever won the toss had a had a great chance of winning the game, um, just with, with how it played. I'm, I'm not really sure. None of us have played up here before, but, but the wicket looks like it'll be fine. Um, it'll be a challenge against the new ball from, from both sides, I'd imagine, with with um, some great new ball bowlers in Hazelwood and Stark, uh, Bolt, Southie, uh, them guys so it's yeah it'll be a great challenge um hoping for a great series. And Aaron, just on the Chapel Headley series, yep. what's it like coming up against New Zealand and is there much of a rivalry these days between Australia and New Zealand? Oh they're a great side. We have had some great battles. I think um we haven't played them for a while in, in ODI cricket. I think the the last game pre-Covid was the the one in front of nobody at, at the SCG was our last one. So uh they're always close battles regardless of, of what format um what what kind of team each each team puts out, they, they go the distance generally so um, yeah really exciting they're, they've got world-class players throughout their innings with the bat obviously Guptill and Williamson um, at towards the top of the order there and so there's firepower all throughout um, Jimmy Nisham at number six or seven and and they're bowling Bolt, Southey, Santner these guys they're, they're world-class so um, I'm hoping for a great tournament. And just after that audio in front of no one, um, did that mean Australia took the Chapel Hadley Trophy? What I think so. Apparently, yeah. apparently we hold it at the moment after a, a, a three-game series knocked down to one. Yeah, there you go. Three-game series knocked down to one. It was
4: uh, that game, as I mentioned, gets underway this afternoon. The first of those. And Aaron Finch, he, uh, as I mentioned, struggling for form. Someone that isn't struggling for form and has made the shortlist for the ICC Men's Player of the Month nominees for August is Mitch Sandner. Um, This is what it says, so often known for his bowling prowess in the shorter format, Sandner finds himself on the shortlist for the ICC Men's Player of the Month for the first time after solid performances during his side's recent series against the Dutch and the West Indies, a fine 77 not out in the Netherlands saw his side claim victory in the second T20 before he was unleashed on the Windies batters in the ODI and T20 series that followed. He bowled superbly. He finished the month having taken seven wickets at an average of 17 in the T20s, a further four wickets across the ODIs at an average of 21. Could Santner be the difference maker? We'll find out. Uh, when Mark Stafford comes on. We're going to ask him ahead of his show shortly, but uh, we we're also talking Aaron Finch. Uh, obviously, we were talking about another Aussie earlier, Logan, uh, and that was Will Power in the IndyCar, one of the great names in sport.
0: Absolutely one of the great names in sport, but this this is the way my mind works, Ricardo, is that sometimes things like that happen, and we talk about things like this, and my mind immediately goes to, Oh, yeah, that happened in The Simpsons, right? When you talk about Will (laughs) Power, there's one better name. We have Max Power. Max Power.
4: He's the man whose name you'd love to touch, but you mustn't touch. His name sounds good in your ear. But when you say it, you mustn't fear, cause his name can be
5: said by anyone. No,
3: Max Power. how's every little thing. You remembered my name. Well, who could forget the name of a magnetic individual
0: like you? Keep up the good work, Max. Mr. Power? Yes, of course, Mr. Power. And the context around that is that Homer Simpson was watching TV and there was a bumbling idiot character called Homer Simpson. So he wanted to change his name (laughs) and distance himself from it. So Max Power it is. Potentially, I think this may be next next Tuesday. Let's do a Mel Rushmore. Greatest uh, names in sport. I like it. Just greatest sounding names.
4: Yeah, I like it. I actually uh, made up with the old man's guy called Shea Power. Named as Sun Max. So there is actually a Max Power running around in New Zealand, or at least there was a few years ago. It is eight away from midday. Uh, Staffy in with us next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy
3: final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit TyrePower.com.au
6: now.